You are listening to Proof Text, a Glossa House podcast exploring scripture with Dr. T. Michael W. Halcombe and Dr. Frederick J. Long. Welcome and enjoy. Hello and welcome to Proof Text. I'm Michael Halcombe. I'm here with my friend, Fred Long. Fred, how's it? Hey, Michael. Uh, I'm doing great. How are you doing? Uh, doing all right. Uh, pretty pretty busy at the moment. Um, lots going on and... Uh, yeah, glad to be uh, taking a pause to do some recording in the middle of all of it. Yeah, yeah, you, you stay busy, I'm staying busy, and uh, it's great to be able to to reflect on the text that I do miss when uh, when I don't get to do this. And uh, thanks for filling in with uh, yeah. lectures that you you uploaded last for this last episode. Uh, yeah, this one, um, great content, amazing content, and uh, just. Uh, is that published? Yeah, yeah. Um, the one on the living language method, I, I did at a conference. You were actually at both of those talks in person, I believe. One yeah. was a TED talk I did, and then the other one was uh, at the Greek language conference uh, a few years ago at Southeastern Seminary. So uh, that one's published in a book as well. Um, but yeah. Yep. Well, great. Well, we're going to jump back into Galatians. Uh, we're in chapter 3, and we're going to pick up in verse 10. So uh, we'll see, maybe we can do a couple verses uh, in this episode. And so let's let's have you read verse 10 in Greek. All right. Open up your Greek text if you're following along with us, and you can follow Michael's reading. Yeah. Um, so here we go. Uh, Galatians 3.10. Osugar ex ergon nomu isin, ypo kataran isin. Ye graptegar, oti epi kataratos, pasos uk emani, pasintus ye gramenus, endo viblio tu nomu, tu puese afta. Great. Great. Yeah. He probably said that with a lot more emotion than I did, but. Um, yeah. <laughs> so let's I'll, I'll provide a translation of this and we'll break it down after that so for however no for as many as are from works of the law are under a curse for it has been written this accursed is everyone who does not remain in all that has been written in the book of the law to do them, to do these things, Mm. really to do them. Yeah. To do them. Yeah. So there's a lot there. Uh, There's uh, gars. um, There's two sentences here. And in verse 10, so there's two sentences, each are uh, with gar. Now gar indicates strengthening. And so these are strengthening statements. The first one is strengthening the previous argument, which if, if the listeners will remember, uh, I, I suggest is an is a epikyrim argument that is a, a laid out argument that has a premise, proof, premise, proof, and conclusion. So verse 9 is the conclusion of that argument stream. And I would argue that what follows in 10 through 
14 is an, another argument chunk. Now, this argument chunk is itself supporting the previous argument chunk of, what is it, 5 through 9. Yeah, uh, 5 through 9 or 6. It's actually 6 through 9. Yeah, so, and, it, and this uh, verse 10 is comprises of a, a relative pronoun clause, as many as are under the works of the law. So that's a, that's a relative pronoun clause, but it's specified, it's particularly marked for quantity. So it uses the special pronoun marked for quantity, os, osos, osos. So rather than just simply the relative pronoun os, which means who, uh, osos means as many as, uh, how many, uh, how, how many, who, or something like that. So osos is a particularly, uh, it's a type of relative pronoun that is marked for quantity. Yeah, so it's a special type of relative pronoun. There are you know, when we learn beginning Greek, you think of, you know, the relative pronoun, but in fact, there are different types of relative pronouns, and this one is marked quantity. There's another one that's marked for quality, uh, what kind of person or what kind of thing, but this one is marked for quantity, and it's uh, it's a way to for Paul to say that this group, however many there are, how many there are, how many there are under the law are under a curse. And it's, it's interesting. He's, sometimes Osos works with the little particle on, A-N, uh, alpha nu, and that would, that would, that would make it however many or as how many there are ever and i keep wanting to add that ever there but in fact it's not there in the greek text right and that'd be kind of setting up like a condition conditional kind of sentence this is not a condition conditional sentence it's a blunt a blunt fact that paul is saying as many as are are from the works of the law are under a curse period. Yeah. So we need to think about that a little bit more. Who are these people and what does it mean to be from X, uh, the preposition X ergon, from works of the law? What do you think, Michael? Who, who are these people and what does that mean? Yeah, it's, it's interesting. Um, I, I was actually trying to, I remember hearing N.T. Wright speak once and he made the point that there are as many, uh, you know, people talk about the new perspective in New Testament studies. He, he made the comment, uh, there are as many new perspectives as there are uh, scholars on the new perspective. Yeah. And um, there isn't a such thing as the new perspective, regardless of how much we'd like to think there is. I was kind of reading this verse wondering if we could do something like that for as many people as there are out of the law, uh, as many 
curses there are, <laughs> many mm -hmm. cursed people there are. Uh, does that make sense? Uh, I know I didn't answer your question yet, but um, I don't think that works grammatically. No, because you're you're making. Um, I think you'd be making under the curse like a substantive. There are those under the curse. Yeah, and I, I don't think they. I don't think that works. I think he's quantifying a group that are characterized as from works of the law. And then he's saying everyone in this group is Eason, you know, Eason at the end of uh, 10A, R, and then you have Upo with the accusative under kata, Kataran. Followed by Eason. I mean, this is a, a sort of parallelism right here. Like we have the two prepositional phrases followed yep. by Eason. Yep. Yeah, Eason. And do, do you think Osu is uh, doing double duty with the both Easons or just uh, just one of them? Just, just the, the first, first one, because otherwise you need a ke to connect them. And uh, yeah, so grammatically, Osu, mm. the, the <laughs> many as are, that's got to be a subordinate clause. They can't both be subordinate clauses because then we don't have any main sentence there. And we need a main sentence because the next gegrapte uh, gar, 10b, verse 10b, is its own supporting statement. Mm. Yeah. So as many as are from works of law. So what does it mean uh, out of out of working works? I still think that's the sense of the sentence, though. Like just as many as there are people from works of the law, that's how many people there are cursed. But I I think the I think that what he's referring to as far as who are the those out of the law. Uh, I think it has two specific groups in mind, or one specific and one general. One is the men from James who have come behind him and are constantly trying to undermine what he's doing. They are the out-of-the-law people or from-the-law people. And then, in general, anyone else who is buying into that and uh, adherence to the Mosaic Covenant to get in to uh the covenant people uh, is problematic right so the law uh adherence to the law for the out of the law people the, the law gets you in like adherence to it but for paul no adherence to the law doesn't get you in and that isn't saying paul doesn't uh, revere the law i think he absolutely does uh, because it shows the goodness of god uh, but it is not what gets you in and it's not even what keeps you in um, and so I think that's the main difference. The, the people out of the law is adherence to the Mosaic law is what gets you in and keeps you in Paul saying, no, uh, yielding to Christ is what gets you in and keeps you in. Yeah. So the missionary rivals came after Paul and said, Hey, if you want to go all the way, you got to come under the law. You got to follow it. Yeah. Uh, and that's, what's going to get you full salvation. And Paul here is, is saying, well, actually, they're all under a curse. So I agree with you that yeah. that the, all of these people from the law are under a curse. That's that's exactly what Paul is saying here. Uh, they're under a curse. And that's this is going to be like a popping statement um, to, to them. 
Now, this is supporting his previous argument, which has been saying you got to have the faithfulness of Abraham. Yeah. The faithful, you got to be like faithful Abraham and be from faith. And this, this idea that working the law is going to save you is problematic. In fact, he's saying you're under a curse. You're under yeah. a curse. And I think this would just be jaw-dropping. Like, what? And so then we get to the second part of verse 10. But let me say, not because you're not under a curse because the law is a curse. And I think that's a, no. a misconception a lot of people may have. Yeah. Yeah. You're under a curse because you can't that. keep the whole law. Yeah. yeah you, can't, you can't keep it all. And uh, Paul works this very carefully in Romans 7, where he says the law is spiritual, holy, and good. Yes, exactly. So the, the problem is not the law. The problem is us when we meet with the law and yes. what we do with the law and, and how we try to work it a certain way, we can't do it. Yeah. And yeah. so that's what uh, the second part of verse 10, 310b, uh, substantiates. So Paul supports that audacious claim with a gegrapte statement. Gegrapta is a perfect middle passive indicative form, third singular, and it's it's uh, we could call it a scripture citation formula. And it often is with uh, gar, uh, which is marking support. And so Paul is, is laying forward a scripturally supported reasoning. And I would say that, you know, this epikyrium is a type of of reasoning. He's reasoning with people, and now he's going to be supporting how it is that these people are under a curse. He says they're under a curse because, in fact, the law says as much. The law says, in fact, in Deuteronomy 26, 27, 26, cursed, accursed is all, everyone who does not remain in in all that has been written in the book of the law to do them. So basically, the covenant, the law, which was part of the covenant that God gave to his people, Israel, was that they needed to do all of the law. They're supposed to follow all of it. And if you don't, you're accursed. And so yeah. Paul is simply just quoting the law, which, which says you got to do all of it or you're accursed. Yeah. Yeah. And he may be referencing uh, what Deuteronomy 27, 26 here, maybe Jeremiah 11, 3. Um, Deuteronomy uh, seems like a, an optimal candidate where, you know, cursed is the one who does not uh, confirm or do the words of the law, or confirm the words of this law by doing them. And uh, all the people shall say amen. Or in Jeremiah 11, 3. Thus says the Lord, the God of Israel, cursed is the man who does not heed the words of this covenant. Um, and so it seems to me that Jeremiah is simply pointing back to Deuteronomy. So Deuteronomy is probably what Paul has in mind here, I would think. Yeah. What he's quoting. He's quoting that. Yeah. Now, um, so yeah, that's uh, this, this idea of cursedness is, is not a good state of affairs. So, uh, under a curse, the word there is epikatarkatos, 
which is related to obviously the kataran of 10a so the the being under a curse is uh is obviously building off of that so scripture says you gotta you gotta do all of it you have to remain and if you don't remain if you don't remain in and the the word there the, the verb emeni uh has the preposition n added to the front of meno so meno means to remain uh and and this idea of remaining jesus in john's gospel talks about you know the vine branches remaining in 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 the vine and this idea of abiding is often you know there it's translated as abide but it's the same verb as found here and in this iteration it's got the preposition n on the front so it means it means to remain in uh in in all in all that has been written in the book of the law so um to do them and at the end of verse 10 then is this uh, infinitive to to do them. So to remain means to be doing them, doing everything that's been written in the law. And, and this, is, this was the covenantal expectation that God wanted his people to do these things. And he said, if you don't, you're cursed. There's going to be curses that come upon you. Let's talk about that word curse for just a minute. And maybe we'll go to break after that. What? um contextually speaking i mean blessing is usually set over and against curse in scripture let's let's talk for just a second what what is a a curse it's not it's not a cuss word certainly like a curse word what is is it sounds almost magical is it magical what does it mean what does curse mean well, I wish I knew. No, uh, I think it's a good question. I think I think it means to be liable to uh, a punishment, to be vulnerable to evil. Mm. Uh, I think to to consequences of evil. Um, yeah. So I'm looking the word up, and uh, you know the our BDAG uh, lexicon says to being under divine condemnation yeah so it's it's liable you're but without humans humans can curse other humans you know it's not always divine um well i think of like genesis 27 we have the word there where you have uh uh jacob trying to deceive you know he's working with his mom to deceive dad isaac and mom uh was it rebecca um is that who it is says essentially jacob and her are talking and the mom says to him you know upon me be your curse my son only obey my word and go take for me something like that um so that's kind of interesting it it seems to, i like the idea of liable the punishment um i think there's also a covenantal aspect to this uh connoting some sort of like relational breach or something like that yeah i'm so i'm continuing to look down uh, to look up this word it's interesting so the kat artos kataran the kata part of it is the preposition down and so then so you have this prepositional affix 
on it. And then the, I'm trying to look at the stem. It's Ara'ome. Uh, and it literally means to call down curses upon, to imprecate upon. Um, so I think this is God's, um, I mean, I, I think you can only say that, you know, God is the one who calls upon these, these curses. Hmm. And I think, you know, why would God do that? I think it's to try to persuade them to obey, <laughs> try to persuade them to obey, try to persuade them to be vigilant, to stay in the covenant. So Deuteronomy is a covenant document between God as sovereign and then the vassal would be his people, Israel, and they're, they're entering into a covenantal relationship. And it was customary in these covenants to conclude by laying forth that which leads to blessing and conversely that which leads to breaching and, and coming under liability and, and then having the divinities uh, coming under the, the judgment of the divinities. And of course, God is his own divinity. So coming under his, his curse. So this is meant to be dissuasive uh, from disobeying the law. So God is wanting them to really understand that if you disobey, you're coming under, I mean, it's not just you won't receive blessing. It actually goes further than that to say you're actually going to be receiving curses, like coming under a judgment and um, in the form of curses. And I think we have to understand that in ancient culture, a lot was done to avoid coming under the punishment of the gods. Yeah. I mean, we saw earlier in this chapter, they were using the evil eye, you know, the yeah, uh, the Vascano, um, uh, we saw up in three one, I think it was. Yeah, who's bewitched you? Yeah, something like that. So, in this culture, there's a lot of there's medallions and and amulets, amulets and stuff that people were wearing that were to protect them from magic, and 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 from bad curses. I mean, we found lead dolls, you know, or or dolls like with pin cushion, you know, like with things in them put yeah. underneath like with the door stops of people's houses, you know, to like bring down curses upon the household. And so um, we know that people were very um, suspicious and, and wanted protection right. from that. What a terrifying thing to say that the living, living God <laughs> is cursing you. Like to me, that's, that's like the worst possible, like there's no, which God would you go to for protection? Like you, you couldn't, you couldn't find any other God Wear any kind of amulet that would protect you from the one and only true God. So I think we, we really have to understand the gravity of what this means. And um, God is trying to communicate something, something very severe here. Yeah. Yeah. Well, let's, yeah. let's take a break here and hear a word from our sponsor, Glossa House. Looking for creative ways to launch your biblical language studies to the next level? 
We here at Glosa House create resources with you in mind. We've created a stock of innovative and cutting edge audio, video, digital, and print resources to help you reach your language goals. Visit glosahouse.com to find what you've been looking for. Glosa House, language resources for the global community. Welcome back. We're looking at Galatians 3.10, and we're going to move into verse 11. And I'm with my good friend, uh, great Greek scholar, Michael Halcom. <laughs> so why don't you read verse 11, and then we'll discuss it. Okay. Oti de in nomo udis de keute parato theo delon otio dikeos ekpideos zesete. All right. Now, both uh, 11, verse 11, begins with two OT clauses. And that's kind of interesting because verse 10 began with two GAR clauses. So there's some interesting things going on here. Now, OT um, can mean, it can specify content but it can also specify like content that is strengthening. And we're going to see that here it it's, it's being used in both, both senses. Now verse 11 begins with an OT, which means I think that in this case, followed by a the, the the is indicating a new development. Uh, and, and so here uh, I would translate this, that, no one, so moreover, that no one is rectified in, in, the, in the law before God is clear. Hmm. And the second hoti would be because or that. And then we have a scripture quotation, the righteous one from faith will live. And that's a quote from Habakkuk. And this is uh, found in Romans in the thesis statement in Romans 117. Uh, so this verse Habakkuk 2.4 is a verse that Paul cashes in on and spends a lot of time uh, reflecting on. In the context of Habakkuk 2.4, we'd have to go there uh, that that two four a says, behold, as for the proud one, his soul is not right within him, but the righteous one will live by faith or by his faith. So it's it's kind of it's kind of interesting uh, that the context is one of waiting for the Lord's deliverance of Habakkuk, and instead not trusting in one's own ability to save oneself. So that's a very significant context because that's precisely what Paul is, is saying here is that you cannot rely on your own self for salvation. In other words, you can't say I'm good enough uh, because in fact we're accursed 
because we're trying to do it by works of the law. And in fact, we're not able to do it. We're not able to do the works of the law. And this leads us into a, a liability of being accursed. And Paul here then is stringing together a series of Old Testament Hebrew scripture passages to make an argument. And that argument is that the law, doing the law, doing the works of the law, doesn't get us there. If we're relying on that, we're accursed. Uh, because, in fact, God has revealed that in the context of God's people being judged, that the only way to receive salvation is not through being proud and arrogant, but rather through faith. And, and this is what Abraham had, faith. Uh, he had faith. And, and Michael, if you remember, you know, you, you went off on Abraham uh, just that he's, it's not his conduct that is saving him because in fact, he's pretty rotten in many ways. Yeah, he's very rotten. Yep. He's very rotten. Yeah. Uh, he's trying to pass off his wife as a sister. She's having to sleep with Pharaoh. You know, Pharaoh has a dream, but you know, he's already slept with her. Almost um, kills a kid. He sends another kid into the wilderness and lets Sarah beat his wife, sends her into the wilderness. Yeah. It's a mess. Yeah, so that's not what saves Abraham. <laughs> what saves Abraham is the fact that he's trusting in God's promises, really despite himself. Uh, he's barely hanging on, we might say. He hangs on at the right in the in the right way. Uh, he should have done it better. He should have lived differently. He didn't, but when it mattered, he was trusting in God, and that's. That's what Paul is stressing, the faithful Abraham. So go back and look at 3.9, and we see that those from faith will be blessed with the faithful Abraham. Mm. Yeah. With Abraham, the believer. That's how they're translating that. Um, I think that's not quite right. It says with the faithful Abraham, really profiling Abraham as one who's trusting in the Lord's goodness. And so, yeah, Habakkuk here is pulled out of the hat, <laughs> Paul's exegetical arsenal, to, to, to make the case that the righteous one from faith will live or will live out of that faith. Yeah. Yeah. How does that sit with oh. you? Yeah, I don't know. I I'm looking I I agree with all that. I'm looking at uh I'm looking at all the OTs, the string of OTs here cuz we have the 1 and 310 and we have the 2 here. I almost want to just take those as like three separate quotations. So for this has been written and then uh, OT that also this this <laughs> and he's actually uh quoting three different so he'd be quoting deuteronomy maybe ecclesiastes and then maybe habakkuk yeah um so that that actually what we start with in in 311 oti that is more like 
moreover this or also this in the law no one is righteous uh, before god and so if you read uh i mean like ecclesiastes 720 says on earth there's no one who is righteous you know um i wonder if i could find a better um you know, psalm the psalm 143 also says something to that effect but you, you see what i'm saying like three quotes instead of two yeah uh our english bibles don't you know, that they're infallible, but they don't suggest any uh, source of the quote for 11a. Right. Yeah, that's what I'm saying. Yep. Yeah. It, it's kind of weird, too, because it's construction. It's a it's a verbless clause because the main the main uh, the main verbal idea is day loan, which yeah. is uh, from day lows to be clear. So uh, it's. It's uh, assuming a content. It's a. It's called an impersonal construction. So Dalon by, by itself would mean it is clear. Now the is is just being implied. It is clear. And then the OT that begins verse 11 is the content of it. So I, I kind of, I see where you're going uh, and want to go. And in my understanding of the argument structure, I see verse 11 as continuing the support of that initial premise. I agree. And yeah. Hey, yeah. So I'm, I'm, in, I'm in tune with what you're doing. Um, the debt is adding another point to it, which is another substantiatory point. But then the real substantiation comes with scripture once again in with that second OT and verse 11 B. I, I also, you know, I love playing with the text like this. Um, and I am in the Greek version I'm looking at. There's a comma after Delon and yeah. before Oti, right? Yeah. I Part of me like wants to play with that too. I almost want to take that adjective like in an adverbial sense, but you can still take it as an adverb. Like this is clear. <laughs> um, the righteous uh, live by faith. Right, so that um, that it's almost like delonoti estin or esti delonoti. This is clear. Um, so I don't know. I'm mm -hmm. kind of interested in that. Um, yeah. So therefore, so verse. If we repunctuated that, we might put like a period after. Uh, yeah. Before, th oh. before God. Yeah. Uh, and then you would have a syndeton, which means there's no con connector. Uh, and then you'd say, it is clear that. Yeah. This will live by faith. Yeah, or this yeah. is clear. Yeah. yeah. This is, I mean, there's no this, but. Uh, well, I'm taking the oti as sort of that. Yeah, it's that recitative oti kind of thing. But you also have to supply the esteen kind of to make it work. Anyways, I, I just. Uh, but you do have to supply nesting anyway. You just don't have a demonstrative pronoun. I almost would rather put a put a. Um, so if we go back to three ten, put a a semicolon after the afta, and then in verse eleven a semicolon after the the o, um, and so it's almost like a list. Yeah. Uh, of proofs. Yes. Yeah. Yeah, you know, when people would be hearing this, I think 
they would be hearing these OTs like that would have been pronounced. Yeah, exactly. Yeah, they would have been pronounced. Uh, yeah, yeah. The righteous will live by faith. Um, it is interesting. It is interesting. He's laying forth exegetical proof with scriptural ideas, and yes. we, we have to unpack it. Yes, it, it's dense. It's theologically dense, and I guess I'm challenged. One thing, you know, the takeaway <laughs> is we think, you know, all these are love letters of Paul. You know, oh, gosh, drives me crazy. Yeah, no, these are treatises. These are these are highly argued pieces that have to be unpacked. And I just think, you know, what kind of discourse are we giving our people? Yeah. I think we're giving them a lot of marshmallow fluff, fast mm. food, easily digestible, fluffy mm. things. And then we wonder why our discipleship is so uh, so flippant. And so you know, people turn on a, you know, they, they, they don't live. They're not, they're not challenged to live differently. They're not challenged to think yeah. deeply. And then, you know, they're, they're offended by this or that and this worship song or that worship song. There is way more substantial things to be worried about and, and to be thinking about. Like we need to be leading the charge in terms of careful thought. And I think that comes when uh, they are challenged, think more deeply about scripture and the dynamics of life. Yeah. Yeah. You should come to the bridge then. Uh, that's what we're all about. <laughs> yeah, uh, we have we have a big banner up front that that you see now every Sunday. We have these like four, I guess, pillars of our vision. I guess you would call them, and uh, they're deep study, deep yeah. prayer, deep service, and deep community. So you know, always having that out. We put that on everything: our newsletters, our website, our our banner it's the backdrop i stand in front of when i preach just constantly reiterating that deep study deep study deep study and yeah. everything everything else flows out of that the deep prayer the deep service the deep community yeah you know. i think i've shared the dissertation before on scholastic communities it's a student of ea judges uh and her name i think uh, maybe a guy i don't know claire s claire smith called Pauline Communities as Scholastic Communities, a study of the vocabulary of teaching in 1 Corinthians, 1, 2 Timothy, and Titus. Hmm. Uh, 2012 book. So, cool. yeah, I mean, Paul's communities are scholastic communities. Yeah. And what are our Christian communities today? We're social clubs. <laughs> clubs and we need more depth well do you yeah, i feel like well i would say hold on even even in addition to that i feel like we're shifting in some sense right now away from social clubs to social justice clubs and uh i think that's a dangerous shift um not that i mean social justice has always been part of and inherent to the gospel but i yeah. think people are very interested in having a cause to align with or to stand with. And um, the one thing that organizations like BLM and uh, I don't know, uh, Planned Parenthood, even they've done right is they've, they've 
in terms of, they've done right in terms of like building a, a core group is to have a cause for people to align with. I'm not saying they've done anything right, um, but you, you get my point there. And I, I feel like that's a shift that's taking place and in this sort of woke uh, culture that that we're in. A lot of pastors are really uh, buying into that stuff, too. And uh, yeah, social clubs and, and social justice causes. And, and isn't there a parallel, Michael, with works of the law? and justification uh, being yeah. rectified. Like, let's say that the, the and, and what was happening in Galatians. So the Galatian, the, the press, there's peer pressure. Uh, social groups are pressuring people to conform yep. to certain standards, which are outside of the scope, the saving scope of the gospel. Yeah. So in a like manner, this woke ideology is something extra to the gospel, but is being wed to the gospel. Yes. That if you don't describe to it, then you're shamed yes. into uh, conformity. That's exactly right. And this this is what was happening in here that Paul is confronting is that there, there's honor and shame going on and, and people are being shamed into coming and staying under the law, that that's the way to be saved. And Paul's saying, no, that's not the righteous. Yep and trusts in God. So how do we need to trust radically in God right now? And what does it mean to be just uh, and the righteous person now? It means to trust God trust and trust in his word, to look at his word deeply and trust it. And, you know, God, quite frankly, condemns behaviors, uh, lifestyles, and, and we need to say, you know, God condemns it doesn't mean that we hate people, but it means that we stand up for God's standard of conduct. And the it means that we want the best for people. <laughs> yeah, we want the best people. God wants the best for people. Yeah. And if we don't, there's an unraveling because this is going to be, you know, it's being fed to our children. And then we're like really starting to get lost. Like this is generational lostness. Yeah. There, there, let me say this right real quick before we head out. I just think it would be, uh, I feel bad if I didn't mention, mention it, but at the start of verse 10 and the end of verse 11, there's this cool contrastive inclusio type thing going on, right? Uh, where you have osugar ex ergon, ex ergon, ex ergon, right? At the beginning of 310 and then at the end of 311, ek pisteos, ek Pisteos, you can hear ex ergon ek pisteos, the two out of groups. Yeah. Um, that is, you have those who are out of the law and those who are out of allegiance. Um, yeah. yeah. So I, I just think that's really cool how he w- does that rhetorically there. From trust, from the allegiance, aligning yeah. God versus uh, from works of the law, from trying to do the law uh, as a way to stand out. And Paul says, the only thing that you're standing out is under a curse. Yep. Yeah. Let's, uh, we'll end here. And uh, Michael, you got a parting shot for us? Yeah, I do. Um, Here's a, here's a good quote. The knowledge of the cross brings a conflict of interest between God who's become man and man who wishes to become God. Mm. (laughs) Jürgen Mm. Moltmann. Mm -hmm. Yeah. Of those turns. Yeah. Right. Well, 
good to talk with you again, my my brother, and uh, yep. for the good work you you do. And uh, thanks for listening to us. And uh, you know, we've received some positive comments through like Facebook message or emails and that kind of stuff. But go ahead and and leave feedback publicly if you don't mind. Yeah. If, you're, if you're liking what we're doing, uh, please do that and and spread the word. So thanks so much. Yeah. For-